0: You won't want to miss today's episode. We've got Dr. Chad Mathis joining us in the studio. He's got an eclectic background from everything from HHS to being a surgeon to running for office. So he's got a political background, a medical background. Uh, He's going to bring us some expertise, and then we're going to talk politics, candidates, and everything else going on in Alabama. Stay tuned. Welcome everyone to 1819 News, the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Glad to have you guys back. We're now at the end of the legislative session and moving into the uh, May 24th primary season. So that'll be a, a big focus <clears throat> of things going on. Um, but we're also kind of glad to have a break from some of that stuff to to, mm-hmm. to bring in a new guest to talk about some things that are um, not the same stuff we've been hammering week after week with the legislative session and, and the elections and stuff. But we, we'll probably touch on some of that stuff. But uh, overall, happy to be doing something a little bit different. Um, I'm Brian Dawson. I'm the host and CEO of 1819 News, joined by my uh, co-host, the editor-in-chief of 1819 News. Ray, how you doing?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm excited. I've known Chad for a uh, long time, really, I guess, since he ran for Congress back in 2015, 2014 in that area, and uh, been a good, uh, a, a good contact, good friend over the years. I appreciate him being in with us.
0: Good. And with that, we'll uh, we'll welcome Mr. Well, Dr. Chad Mathis uh, to the studio. Thanks for joining us, Chad. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Uh, Before we jump into the incredible content that we have coming for you, we're going to tell you where to find us. So please go on to uh, YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcasts, uh, like us, subscribe, leave a five-star review, tell everyone how much you love the podcast because we know you do help us get the word out about the good work we're doing here. Um, That is uh, always the question. What can we do to help you guys? The, The answer is always, Tell everybody about us, get the word out, uh, help us do that. So also go to 1819news.com, sign up for the newsletter. Uh, Our newsletter is growing rapidly right now, and that's really our morning edition that's like a newspaper getting thrown on your front steps in the morning. Except instead of your front steps, it's coming to your inbox in an email, and it's got all the news for the day that you need to know Monday through Friday. Uh, all the opinion pieces that we have and then also any podcast or digital yeah. content and it's delivered right there to
1: your inbox. And there's some really good previous podcasts. This is just one of several that we do that you can also see on 1819news.com and go back some incredible stories too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and then we've had uh, candidates and whatever on our cast. I think there's some good value in going back and previewing or reviewing the the other earlier podcasts.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, that is a great point. Um <clears throat> so um dig in and as much as you know I love my podcast we have some other good ones too that you guys might enjoy so well good stuff um we'll go ahead and and jump in uh to today's program with Chad Mathis so um Chad I'm super excited to have you in here Uh, I know we've gotten to know each other uh very recently um and I've definitely read your articles your stuff's been published on the website and uh, we always enjoy that um, and so I think really, we just want to introduce our audience to you. And I guess, I think you'll kind of probably end up being someone that regularly comes on and, um, tell us who is Chad Mathis.
2: Well, thanks for having me again. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Uh, and like, a, like you said, I, I've known Ray for many years and, and it's been nice to get to know you and, and, and I love the work here at 1890 news. It's uh, the mission is fantastic. Uh, so when I when think about you know me, I, I'm I'm an orthopedic surgeon by training and spent many years here in, in Birmingham, uh, practicing. Uh, I also, as as you mentioned, I'm a recovering politician, and so <laughs> I, I did run for Congress back in uh, 2014, and and then I sp- I spent some time in the private sector, uh, not in practice, uh, as a friend of mine called it, uh, uh, corporate medicine. Um, and and doing some different uh, type of um, chief medical officer roles and and CEOs of uh, uh, some IT companies and and I spent some time at HHS in the Trump administration and so uh, I, I've uh, been around the 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 conservative movement for for quite a while and and excited to uh, be here today.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's great. <clears throat> You've got um, you know, uh, the the Alabama political landscape is a a funny thing. And I know me personally, um, I didn't really start looking and digging into it until about a little, I'd say about 14 months ago and I've taken a crash course in it and I've just been blown away just by, just I don't know how crazy it is, how bad it is, how all these other things are. Um, and so one of the things we really try and do week after week here is, is to help uh, our listeners understand what's going on in Montgomery, <clears throat> yeah. what's going on in DC matters. It does. Um, but our focus is really trying to, to, to fix what's going on in our state and in Montgomery. And so um, appreciate the fact that you've got a background in medicine and, and, and medical experience uh, at the corporate level as well as at the doctor patient level. And then also um, have a depth and breadth of knowledge about Alabama politics.
1: I'm going to, Chad, I'm going to back up a re- quick second because I think one of the things, and, and I appreciate the fact that when you ran for Congress, uh, it was kind of a field of a lot of people who had never really run for office before that were motivated, I'd like to just, and, and, and one of the things we need are good people willing to step out and run for office. I think that's one of the things that's really hurt our system is so few people want to stick their neck out and do their civic duty. And I, I'm just curious what, why you felt compelled to run for office back in and yeah. the, then. So it,
2: it really started back under President Bush um, and, and seeing what was going on in Washington and the, the growth and expansion under what we thought uh, was a conservative government and, and we started seeing some of those changes with uh, the, then the, the uh, uh crash happened in 2008, 2009 mm-hmm. and we saw some of the corruption coming out uh, um and, and there's the potential uh, of insider trading. I know it still is even an issue to talk about Nancy Pelosi today. And so I, I, it, it was really upon my heart to, to get involved and, and be a, a more active player. The Tea Party movement was getting started. Um, one of my heroes, Dick Army, was the the head of an organization out of D.C. called Freedom Works. And so I decided, uh, um, I called my wife up and and said, hey, we're going to Dallas, Texas. Um, there's this guy running down there named Ted Cruz. Um, nobody knows him, but we're going to go help. And she's like, no, okay. <laughs> and so uh, we we went to Dallas, um, went in the phone bank, started making phone calls, uh, knocking on doors, uh, doing all the things that we could, and and so we were just trying to make a difference. We got involved in other campaigns, uh, uh, others that didn't go so well, like Richard Murdoch in Indiana. Uh, um, just start started being more involved and engaged in the political spectrum. Um, there there was uh, challenges going on of our congressman back here at the time, um, and. You know, I, being a doctor, thought, well, I can do it better than than and and everybody else. Uh, unfortunately, that's typically how, how doctors think. And and then, then our next step is we just go buy a bunch of books and start yeah. reading about it. And so that's what I did. I read a bunch of books about running campaigns, what needed to be done. Um, I was already involved uh, with Freedom Works uh, um, and I knew our campaign needed to be a national one and so because we, we had an incumbent that had been in, in office for, for many years, um, I started working towards uh, cha- challenging uh, uh, him a- a- and making it a, a national race. Uh, um, uh, he ultimately retired and it became a much more local race and, and because we had a large field uh, um, and so, it, it, the dynamics changed uh healthcare was still a central issue with the the passing of, of obamacare trying to make the reforms and and, and ultimately the the repeal of obamacare uh, um what was the central issue and it was a central issue at the time uh, um ultimately that never happened um in you know in 2016 17 uh when when they they tried to uh when they had the majorities in both houses and and president trump uh, that didn't happen and so um but I continue to be involved and advocate for the patient and the doctor. I think, you know, that was always my, my, my critical thinking was looking at how to make sure that the patients and the doctors are able to see each other. Because people were coming to my office and complaining. It's like, I can't afford this. You know, the, 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 the policies that, the, that they could were told that they had to buy were so expensive. And, and these were the working men and women of, of our state that we're having the problem. And, and, you know, and it was benefiting, you know, large corporations, large companies, uh, um, but it wasn't benefiting the working men and, and, and women of Alabama. So I just continued to, to stay engaged.
0: That's good. Um, one of the things we've talked about before, and I think you've written on that's kind of in that same, um, space, um, is, you know, obviously with Obamacare, things have taken a downturn in medical, you know, medical care in, in the, uh, in, in the United States. But, um, we should still, to some degree, be thankful—not satisfied, but thankful—that you know we still do have the best medical system um, in the world. Uh, would you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, I think I think that's really key. You know, we were very concerned about uh, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, where we have uh, a centralization of the control of, of the healthcare system, and I think you know that's what makes our healthcare system great—is when we. W- we look at what makes it good is that we have a highly fragmented, customizable system. And so it's not centralized control. Uh, um, Even though there's more and more control coming out of Washington and telling what what people and doctors have to do and how they have to take care of their patients, it it really works well when the control is at the local level. And and that's all phases of, of the economy, uh, and the uh, government, and the government, and schools. Yeah, exactly, and
0: and and and.
2: <laughs> and so the key, the the, the thing about healthcare is that people try to argue that it's different, you know, yeah. it, oh, it's 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 separate, it's healthcare, you yeah. Know? And so what they they try to say, you're trying to take away healthcare, but but the the issue with healthcare is access is there. Uh, um, but the 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 issue is insurance and how is it paid for? And so it always comes back to how things are paid for, and 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 that's where you know we have to in, enact reforms, especially as the the potential changing of the guard, uh, um um the, the 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 next red wave uh, um, that we should see here coming up in the election. You know what are the changes? What is the, the um. People that are in the, the the majority. How are the Republicans going to manage that? What changes are they going to make? That are going to. How are they going to advocate for that patient and for that doctor and, and maintaining that that greatness of our system?
0: Yeah, let me ask you this, kind of a um, dovetail sort of. When when I hear they're talk about the red wave that's coming, you know, in twenty twenty two, we're going to be Republican majority. Like, what happens? Like, what what's actually going to happen, or is it just going to be the same crap with Republicans in there? <laughs> that's always the the concern that uh, we
2: have. Uh, um that that it's more the same I think yeah. you, we saw that when they didn't repeal Obamacare because you have uh, Obamacare ultimately was a lot of taxes uh, um and there's a lot of revenue that was generated for the federal government and, and they didn't want they could never find a way to give get rid of that uh, uh, and and now that it, it, it's basically you know it's a law of the land here to stay we have to continue to make reforms and, and advocate for for a cheaper uh, type of policies that pay, People, patients, and people want so that they can continue to see the doctors that they want, and, and that—that's always uh, um, the, the issue when it comes to healthcare reform. But as far as the red wave, yeah, I mean, we've got to be informed, we've got to be engaged, we got to be up there, and we got to let our local, our local uh, representatives uh, uh, know what we want, and 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 they need, we need to hold them accountable.
0: I agree. Um, talk a little bit more about. <clears throat> I think Obamacare, I think some people, we just hear Obamacare and we're like, well, I know that my premiums went up and like, that's the only thing that we really understand. And I always find it interesting to how they label things, the affordable care act. It's yeah. like, well, that's weird. Yeah. seemed to got a lot more unaffordable to me, but um, so what, what uh, my understanding of it, and again, I don't know is, is essentially is like the movement is towards a single payer system. That's what they're going for. Um, I, then this is definitely not my area of expertise, but in what a pattern that I'm seeing is that it's ultimately, and again, this is like not some weird conspiracy theory, but it just, it looks like a pattern. It's like, okay, that their ultimate goal is to get everyone on some form of go- government subsidized healthcare, Medicare for all. Yeah. Basically. And, and, yeah. It, and it may not be Medicare for all. Like, so for instance, in Alabama, you have certain government programs where they're actually, you know, in, you know, working with blue cross blue shield of Alabama to provide, you know, all kids for children or whatever it is. And so, what it is, and like, you take a conservative person that you would have in Alabama, and they don't want any type of government assistance, and they're 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 prideful about that, and they're like, "I'm not getting on this program." Um, but then, what ends up happening is that private insurance premiums continue to skyrocket, and then the the basically the ceiling for these government programs, because it used to be like, okay, if you make under sixty thousand dollars as a household, you would be uh, eligible for X Y Z. you Make under thirty, you're eligible for you know X whatever ABC. Well, what it looks like is happening is that they're they're raising premiums as high as they possibly can so that everyone's almost going to be forced to go over to this government insurance. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so I don't know if that's a plan or if that's just like a byproduct that's happening because, like I said, it's not like they're just making it more expensive over here. As these premiums rise... The ceilings on these government programs go up. It's like, well, actually, now if you make one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars a year less as a household, you're actually you're now you're eligible, right? As as you know, and then here I am paying like seventeen hundred dollars a month for my my premium, and it's like, oh my gosh, I could. buy Well, unintended
2: consequences, you yeah. know,
0: I, I, that's the problem when you think about left versus
2: right. But it, it, they're always wanting to tinker with the system, and, and 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 like they they don't think about the next steps. Well, what what are people going to do with the incentives that are in front of them? Um, how, how are people going to react to this? And so that, that's when we get back to fundamentals of, of less government allowing the market to, 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 uh, to work and, and people decide what's best for them. The, the cream will rise to the top uh, and people will make the choices and, and the market will actually work. And it's when we start imposing uh, uh, the winners and the losers. I think, you know, what you saw your question about, you know, is healthcare worse than than it was before? It's not necessarily worse, but the the, the healthcare is still the same. It's how is it paid, you know? And and so what we saw with uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, that you have a consolidation a lot of consolidation so there's less access a lot of rural. i mean particularly for me and for our state rural hospitals are closing left and right and so when rural hospitals close you have to drive further um, for a way to to find your doctor and to get the care that you want and so it it decreases the access to care it doesn't improve the access now uh, that's where you you have to get into some creative solutions with uh, telehealth and different things that that to, to try to bring back the access um, when, when some of the system has created the problems and as with all things in, in the government that, you know, the government is, the, the government's there to help, you know, run away. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, and, and you bring up a great point because one of the things that I heard a lot or have dealt with is, is rural hospitals closing, but at the same time, there's not enough population to support a hospital. Yeah. And so the hospital actually needs to close because it is a, a model that that's not sustainable. But uh, uh, telemedicine, I've heard the, the model ought to be uh, a primary care clinic with maybe a couple of ICU beds to hold people until they can be transported and uh, somebody on staff with access to doctors through telemedicine and, and uh, computers and going that way and just changing what the model for rural health care looks like to still make it available but not as uh, expensive. That's correct. And I think what you're
2: seeing is some of these market changes where – Right. Well, a hospital didn't work, but, you know, a large kind of uh, clinic that actually did bring a a increased level of care to the community. That wasn't necessarily a full hospitalization uh, type uh, uh, beds and full care of a hospital, but they can uh, uh, bring care that's localized. And I think, you know, one of the things that we worked on uh, uh, during the pandemic was was doing exactly that, um, and it related to uh, covid care uh, for our nursing homes and so we were working on an education program teaming up with different uh, uh, state agencies around the country to provide that education and so uh, and it was it was all telehealth and so what that was one of the big advances that that came out of the the pandemic was, was the opening up of, of telehealth and I think you know that's that's a, a market that was uh, limited by government now it had to be opened up because of what happened and and they can't put the cat back in the bag because people want it Um, people want to have access to it they want to use it because it's convenient and so that that's when allowing a little bit of free market to 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 work uh, we can actually improve the care and it's something that came out of uh, um, we were losing pro- uh, uh, access uh, uh, to, to local care, and we've actually improved it by, by having some of these
1: changes, free market-type changes. Yeah, the truth is uh, emergency rooms do well in wherever they are. Correct. Uh, and I've seen some of the models that some of our hospitals have done where they've tried to put in sort of uh, other beds. They just don't – they can't fill them. But the emergency room and, the, and that kind of thing is a very – still viable – uh, a business model, if you will, and medical model that, that rural areas do need. They do need that place to go to an emergency and then get you to that next care facility, wherever that may be, in a bigger city like Birmingham, that we're lucky to have so many great hospitals here. Uh, I, I wanted to go back, though. Uh, you got into HHS under President Trump at a very interesting time, right in the summer of 2020, yeah. COVID. Um, I don't know how much you want to talk about that, but it, it had to be a, sort of an interesting time to suddenly get there with a pandemic and a governmental response that you were part of those conversations that were taking place at the time.
2: Yeah, I was uh it was an honor of a lifetime to uh, be asked to to really engage in the response. I worked for the Deputy Secretary Eric Hargan, uh, uh a fantastic man, and and we were responsible primarily the way to look at it is the Deputy Secretary is the COO and of, of the largest healthcare organization in the, in the country. And so we worked in his office helping with policy. Um, it, they had just, you know, all of a sudden they shut everything down. Everything this was at the time, everything shut down. They had the provider relief fund that was going out and, and helping the hospitals and physicians just to stay open and, and to not go bankrupt, um, by, by being closed and no one had really planned for all of a sudden being closed for, for several months. And so, you know that that went out the provider relief fund, and then we had to figure out how to manage. I mean, the thing is, you know, it's a practice of medicine. Um, it, it's it's not. It was a new virus, you know, and, and we've continued to see things change. Studies have started to be done. You know, always, you know, the the important thing is to follow the science. Let the science happen. You know, doctors, scientists argue. Uh, they they make and they part of the scientific process is to uh, duplicate, you know, okay, you've done this study, then we're going to do it and see what we get and see what our results are and see if they actually match up. And so with a new virus, we found that that we don't know everything and we have to to look and, and figure things out. So being at HHS at that time was, it was truly amazing. You see some of the limitations with some of the data uh, on the data collection. You look at us, you know, we, we you know, I, I I'm going to go there. The, 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 the COVID you know, one of the problems with uh, COVID uh, uh was COVID deaths with or from COVID. Yeah. yeah. And in and, and in the in the UK, uh highly centralized system, it was very easy for them because they say we're gonna do this and and it, it's disseminated. But they were able to to track both. And we weren't able to do that with, with some of our systems. And so and you have and trying to to bring the, the data systems up into the 21st century and to, to do that at a time when when all the focus is on you. It was a very uh, uh, difficult and, and very uh, um, uh, uh, stressful uh, uh, time to be there, but I was I was very, very glad to, to be a part of that. You know, and also all the agencies, the sub-agencies were working from home. They all went remote. You know, we in the secretary's office were there every day, all day long. You know, doing the work and trying to to manage things as as best we could. Interesting. And what is what is HHS, by the way,
0: just for my our listeners that may not know?
2: Yeah, it's the Health and Human Services. Okay, so it's the agency um, with the all of the any healthcare type agency. That's a part. It's the largest, actually, agency within the federal government. Uh, um, CMS is a big part of that. The FDA, all of those actions, uh, the CDC, all report into HHS. They're, okay. they're all a part of that. That's
1: helpful. It's really not. But, I mean, yeah. it, is, it is from an information standpoint, but the way it's structured is almost, uh, uh, again, it's another layer of bureaucracy that's on top of everything else. And I can see the value of it, but it also...
2: There's always a debate about whether some of those agencies should be standalone agencies. And so even, you know, with a different uh, model where the funding comes from Congress, so they decide what, let's say, uh, uh, the CDC gets, but, and and so the CDC director manages all of that versus the the secretary. And so you have a difficult time um, managing all those relationships and, and and. It goes back and forth between the agencies, and even though they still are supposed to answer to uh, um, the the head of that 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 governmental agency.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot of chiefs. It's it's a lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of chiefs chiefs in in the room. That's right. And trying to answer to everybody, and everybody's got different (laughs) expectations. It makes it very difficult. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: trying to think, Ray. Do you want to ask about the story we had talked about yesterday? If Chad can talk about it, well, I don't know.
1: If you can't talk about
2: masks, oh sure, uh, the well, the (laughs) well. First of all, let's let's look. You you have to look. I always, you know, want to follow the science, right? And like, you know, that's where we the politicization of of, um, all studies, whether or not you know. We can go way back, and you can even talk about you know, like some of this stuff with the, the the. uh, warming of the planet does, you know, it does happen, but does it, uh, act, does man actually cause it? But so that's, that's something else, but the same thing So you know, we look at masks and we talk about like, do they actually work? Okay. Well, let's look at all the studies pre pandemic, you know, like show that they, they, there is no, uh, ability for them to, uh, uh, decrease the transmission. They, what, what masks do is they keep you from spitting on people uh, and that's the bottom line. And so they, they are a large particle, uh, uh, obstruction. And they can't, you know, anything that's aerosolized, that small particles is going to pass through there. You know, you think about it's always the little ball bouncing around in, in the room. Does it get from this side all the way to, to the other side? Because everything is so random and it, is, and it has to do with how, the length of time. Um, and then so masks are good for to keep you from spitting on people. You know, we wear them in the operating room. It's it's to keep from droplets yeah. going mm-hmm. into wounds and such. Um and so they're, they're definitely uh, helpful for for, for that um, do they stop small particles um from aerosolized particles so why do you think that there was a mask mandate then well there's by bi- so it goes back to biases in in human nature yeah. and that if they would have come out and said hey just keep doing what you're doing um we're all scared and th- that's not going to work and, yeah. and so they come out and say we we have to do something about this. Yeah, and, and what can we do? And so we're going to say you need to wear a mask, and then we're going to say, well, the only one that actually works is an N95 mask, and then we realize that that's going to destroy the 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 supply of N95 masks. That so no, just wear your handkerchief, handkerchief, and that'll be fine. It, it's I I mean to me, it's always about human nature and and, and trying to to decide, so it made
1: people feel like they were doing something as much as anything.
2: So, so that that unintended consequences. Then you take, well, let's try and do something, and then I'm 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 in DC, you know, I'm jogging. I know I don't look like I'm jogging, but the, the, yes, I down the road. But so then, and, and you know, you're not wearing a mask, and you got somebody across the street yelling at you, because you're not wearing a mask, and so so people don't understand, uh, um, what. They take it too far. And same thing, you know, that just continues to. uh, And and there are now people that that they have, you know, PTSD. They they are having a problem if they see you without a mask. And, you know, luckily it's not most people in
1: this part of the country. But, you know, it's just amazing. But it is shocking. Like when I've traveled uh, again, uh, even going to D.C., uh, it was almost shocking for me from Alabama to see everybody wearing a mask. Where down here, it's almost shocking now to still see people still yeah. wearing masks. In different parts of the country, my son is in the Marine Corps in North Carolina. North Carolina, you still see a lot of people wearing masks. And then when he would come here, he was shocked by how few people uh, were wearing masks. And we just saw a study where uh, the economies of states that didn't overreact uh, yeah. and the healthcare care results really generally turned out better than those that went into shutdown mode and almost an overreaction so
2: you have to look at things critically I think that's the most important thing to come out of this is is that you know governments tend to overreact um, in in nature and they're going to come down on on the side of using their hammer uh, yeah. and, and make those and the sickle yeah. and,
0: Their hammer and sickle
2: see uh, what did there I see what you did okay. that, yeah. that I went yeah. that. Yeah. and so <laughs> So they use their hammer and they're going to make you do whatever they choose. And so yeah. you have to have people that uh, um really take that responsibility seriously and, and think about the individual. Think about the families. Uh, how are we affecting them? You know, and take that hard stance like, you know, you can wear a mask, but but not uh, um it, it, it it's not going to make a lot of difference, but it may help. And, you know, that that's a responsible yeah. person saying saying that. And and instead, then you leave it up to the people. Leave it up to the people. Yeah. Uh, um. We saw the states, like you're saying, with the lockdowns. You know, you, you start with one step, and they take it ten. Like, well, if this works, then this has to work. Yeah. And so you look at Michigan and, and uh, um, I believe it was, um, Pennsylvania. Like the, their economies are still devastated, uh, right. because they've taken it too far, and they pick the winners and the losers, and, and then their economies can't can't recover. Yeah. And so it, it just creates a lot of problems.
1: Yeah. I, I'm get off that for a minute because it. it you talked about government power. Um. Our state, we, you and I have talked about this, and you saw the story we did on our state health officer. Yeah, I was and this is not thing. against Scott yeah. Harris. I think Scott Harris. I, I don't know him. I, I don't. This is not about him personally. We're the only state in the union that our state health officer is not either appointed by the governor or in some way responsible to an elected body. It just seems like a for a man to have that much power put into position by the Medical Association of Alabama uh, doesn't seem like a constitutionally the best way for the state health officer to position to be put into place what?
2: yeah I th- I, it was very interesting you know we worked with uh, all the state health uh, agencies and like like you know I, I was quoted as I was shocked actually when I found out that that he wasn't uh a part of either the cabinet, the cabinet or, sure. um but you know you look back on a history and you know, like it's been since nineteen nineteen since we really that really mattered. Yeah, and so the governor, I believe it was Governor Wallace, just you know, like yeah, we'll farm it out to uh, on the the medical association. That seems like a good idea. Um, now that we we've gone through a pandemic, we, we should legitimately ask the question: Should this person be uh, directly accountable to the people um, because they have such emergency powers and to 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 make such drastic changes? to to what are fundamental rights given to uh, uh, us by our creator yeah. uh, uh, and so they can make greater changes than truly the governor can yeah. uh, to 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 the way that you live and the way that you work and provide for your family so who should be making that decision should the people be making that uh, in conjunction with we should we elect leaders and we and elections have consequences and so that person should be appointing the person that that makes that decision
0: yeah no i agree and it, it is and um it's like you know you you don't really understand like what what's um not underneath the hood but the structure of something until a storm comes through and, right. and so we didn't, like you said, we, there's no way to know. It didn't matter. But my, right. yeah. my frustration is that, well, now we do know, and there doesn't seem to be any effort to remedy it, right? Yeah. And, 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 and it's probably because that medical association, again, I don't know any of the people over there, have no idea, but they're probably not wanting to take their hands off of having that power and saying, you know what I think would be really good is if the governor picked that person. You know, I just, I don't see that going that easily, but you would think after everything we saw, you know, people can criticize Kay Ivey's. I often criticize, you know, how she handled COVID. And I think rightfully so. Um, that's part of being a leader. You know, she made the decisions that she did. She listened to Scott Harris, all these things. But I think one thing we can do is whether you're being critical or you're being gracious or whatever, is just do an honest assessment and say like, okay, what things can we fix to make sure this doesn't happen again?
2: Yeah, and they are good people at the Medical Association and they have good intentions. Everybody working on any of these issues all economic issues, you know, typically has good intentions. Yeah. We like to say that, and so I think that they're good people that that are actually working on this. Um, I have not met Scott Harrison. I know he, he did the best job that he could at the time, uh, um, but we have a responsibility um, to to the people, the the gut, as being engaged and, and, and to ask the question. And it's like, is this the right answer? If the people of Alabama say it's fine, then then we just we roll with it. You know, that's what we want to do. But if the people of Alabama want something different, then the legislature is going to have to act. The governor is yeah. going to have to engage, you know, and, you know, we're at an election time. It should be something that they should discuss. It should be yeah. a question that, that they they address on how they're
0: going to handle that in their administration or their next term. Yeah, and that was the, the the goal and purpose of us putting that article out. It wasn't to criticize Scott Harris necessarily per se or, you know, Kay Ivey. It was like, hey, Alabamians, did you know that this is the, you know, that this, this, this is the problem or that this problem existed, get them aware, get the conversation going. They can reach out to their elected officials and put pressure so that, those, that those can have those conversations. Yeah, right. yeah. And so I think that's good.
2: Yeah. I thought it was a very good uh, uh, fair article uh, looking at the the system and making, uh, like I said, being uh, aware is half the battle. And so yeah. if the people of Alabama want to make a difference and make a change, then they, they need to contact their local representative.
0: Yeah. That's it. Um, all right. Well, one more medical thing before we jump into political stuff, um, certificate of need board. That was something that Andrew Sorrell brought up. I think, you know, I'll, my only history on certificate of need is reading governor of goat hill by Eddie Curran with Richard Scrushy paying $500,000 yeah. to the education gambling lottery foundation or whatever of Don Siegelman's and then that getting blown up and then Don Siegelman going to prison and, you know, health South falling apart and all that. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe worth taking a look under the hood on what this certificate need board is, is, is all about. Um, I could explain it, but I'm not going to do it justice. So why don't you kind of tell us what, what certificate of need is. And if, if if this is a topic that you think is worth talking about and is it something we should change? Well, yeah, I I think the certificate of need needs to go away. So what
2: is the certificate of need? It it is an entity that was created uh, by the state government uh, at, at the direction of a lot of changes that were going on in the federal government at Ronald the time. Ronald Reagan, yeah. sadly. It's <laughs> yeah. like, like one of the bad things he did yeah. certificate of need. Yep. Yeah. And so the certificate of need is meant to, uh, imp- it's intentions, you know, good intentions, improving the quality of, of care by controlling who has access to creating new entities of uh, new hospitals and new surgery centers, there weren't a lot of those at the time, but basically new hospitals, and so that that scope is expanded um, to to surgery centers, and so um, what you have is a board in the state picking winners and losers, and and so you know the the idea is that you're not going to create a a um, poor hospital that is doing a Bad job of taking care of patients because you're going to go through this particular need. They're going to look and, and have an assessment of whether the market can handle it, and, and so they get to make that decision. And so what we saw uh, with the whole scrushy thing is is exactly what happens. You know, the, the the people that have the power and the ability to to get in front of the board and and, and get the answers that 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 they want get to make those decisions, and yeah. and and so it comes out in favor. You know, from a physician standpoint, uh, um. Not just on, on the local CON level, but uh, on the national, like moratorium on physician-owned hospitals. Uh, uh, th- that's a, a kind of a national uh, issue with certificate of need. Now, this is something that the the medical association is very much, you know, uh, uh, against on uh, uh, the certificate of need. We really? want physicians to be able to uh, um, uh, work. And in a way, and grow their, their practices in in a way that is conducive to them. Who better to, to make those decisions about how to take care of that patient than the patient and the doctor? Yeah. And so you have a
1: lot of people that, that are making these decisions that aren't really involved in healthcare. It doesn't, it, and, and Chad, I could be wrong because you hear things, but in a sense, if I come out, I'm looking for a certificate of need because I want to open up a MRI clinic or something, I, I think they're also in that realm. But people who already have that business and have those certificate of need are sometimes the people who are deciding whether I should get that to be able to compete with them. Is there not a conflict of interest inherent sometimes in the, 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 the application for a certificate of need to the board?
2: Yeah, so the my understanding how that you can file like Ray wants to open up his MRI center, but I have one. And so I'm going to file a complaint with a certificate need when he makes his application, yeah. and so I'm going to complain that that the market can't handle another one. Of course, I can't. I'm going to say that. Yeah. And so, but they they take those complaints very seriously. That's their job is to to see if the market can handle it. And so if I I'm definitely going to spend the money and the resources not improving my business. I'm going to spend the money to limit the competition. Yeah. And so that that creates the problem. And so the fundamental nature of a con is very
0: anti-free market, anti-free market, and anti-letting someone who's creative and innovative get in there and shake things right. up, which is anti-free market. And so that that process, in some way, shape, or form, has always existed. The people who become the big behemoth, you know, you look at um, Henry Ford when he was trying to get into the car, you know, world and motor making world, and he had found this really cool way to make motors or whatever it was, and all of the existing manufacturers were like they had this basically essentially this board that squashed out any competition. So here are Henry Ford, who's an obvious innovator who completely changed the, you know, the world because of the way that he came into something. And, you know, thankfully he was able to break through that, but he, I mean, years he got crushed over and over and over. No, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. No, you can't do it because the big existing people were saying, no, we, we want to squash out competition. Well, Henry Ford eventually broke through Uh, had the superior product and the superior process of how to, you know, make motors and how to make cars. Um, And he revolutionized everything. He was like one of the really first examples of how you can get rich by making something cheaper. Right. Right. And that's total free market. And so it doesn't matter what it is, if it's, um, you know, probably even restaurant chains or whatever, if there's big existing ones who have, you know, paid their dues per se, they always want to stomp out any little embers that might be some creative, innovative thing that's going to revolutionize everything because they can't move that quickly. They're these big behemoths. And if you do something that's, you know, risk-taking and innovating and come in and and change something and it completely changes the entire, you know, way everything's done, they can't pivot fast enough to take advantage of it. And then all of a sudden you have Henry Ford, who's at the top. So they don't want that. So they want to snuff it out. And I think the certificate of need board puts those people in the position to be able to snuff it out. So So what
1: kind of car do you drive yet? No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Now now we've got uh, (laughs) something else completely. I I, I do think, uh, again, you've, uh, you've run for political office. You've been involved in the process. You're watching now as we have both a, a governor's race and a Senate race that I think a lot of people uh, are focused on. There's certainly a, a big race to replace Mo Brooks in the in the congressional district up there, but uh, a limited audience there. Um, as this approaches the last month, it seems like this is going to start to get ugly, particularly in the Senate race. Seems like they're really starting to pull the knives out and go after each other. What's kind of what do you see happening here? in that race to start with with the Senate sure I
2: think you know people are starting to pay attention and you said and that's really why the the knives start coming out people are really paying attention but the key you know with these is have the candidates laid the groundwork over the last nine months year to, to really make that push uh, uh, to 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 get everyone engaged and so that's what's always intriguing is the retail politics who has been out there who has been engaging? Have they been building that ground support so that they can combat those messages? Mm-hmm. Because the knives are coming out, and, and, so, and they will draw blood. And so how do you remedy that? I mean, I think the biggest thing we saw was Trump pulling his uh, uh, endorsement. And so can Mo Brooks recover? But, and the only way I really see him recovering is through that, that, that ground game, that, that support that, that he has had to build uh, on his own. Oh, across the entire state. And so is it there and can't, can he do
0: it? Do you think, um, it's interestingly enough, the day that that thing got pulled, me and you were at a Mo Brooks event that night. Do you yeah, remember that? I do. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. And I thought I was going to be walking into a funeral essentially, right. you know, um, and Trump just pulled his endorsement. Mo built his entire campaign on the endorsement. I think what the endorsement did is it provided like a crutch or some type of an enabling tool to prevent him from going out there and getting after it and and showing off who he really is, you know, his policy positions, his, his, you know, his faithfulness over the, the course of his career. He didn't tout any of that. It was just Donald Trump endorsed me. Look, Donald, you like Trump. I like Trump. Trump endorsed me. Right. And it was right. the campaign strategy. And so I, like I said, I thought I was going to be at a funeral that night. We were at that event and he spoke and I'm like, if he'd have been doing this the last nine months, he'd be at like sixty percent. Yeah, like you know, like it, w- it wouldn't even be a competition. And so I'm hoping he can take the fire that was in his belly that night, and 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 again, his campaign people, I have no idea who they are, but man, the fact that they did that Donald Trump thing that long is mind boggling to me. So, so I hope. That they can figure out how to, you know, um, you know, for his sake, that they can figure out. This is my mind. Like, I want it to be a neck and neck horse race. I'm the guy. Like, when I watch a Super Bowl, I don't right. want like a fifty two to nothing. Yeah. Like, I want to see this thing going at, you know, extra innings, or I want to see it going to to overtime. And so, I'd like to see a tight race and just have have a real nail biter. And so, for that sake, I want to see I, I want to see Mo come out swinging. I want to see um, him actually have his campaign represent who he really is, because then I think that's that's more fair than than. It's not about even being
1: fair. It's his own fault if he doesn't do well, it. Well, Yeah, and I, I'm sorry, I'll let you go. But to me, and we've said this before, and we had Mo Brooks sitting in that chair, yeah. and we got him talking policy, and that's his strength. He's oh, yeah. been there, and there's no doubt what he believes, but it seems like he just wasn't running on his his record. Uh, and I think that's what's going to resonate with people, and I'm not advocating for anybody. I can make an argument for and against the three major candidates, candidates. But yeah. I do think that's one of the things that I think Moe. Made a mistake on.
2: Yeah, and I think you know, looking at Katie Britt's campaign, she has been laying the groundwork. She has been yep. retail politician. I mean, that <clears throat> I love seeing that. I love that the the meet and greets. I mean, it is a grind. It is a daily, uh, just nonstop uh, from sun up till sundown down. And you have to do that seven days a week. And and if you were going to live on an endorsement, you know, you might die. But I think, you know, is the ground game there? And I, I think there is because, you know, I, I mean, I worked with Mo Brooks on, on the Ted Cruz uh, uh, campaign. And, and so th- there, there's a network there that, that he's engaging with. Um, the Mike Durant is, is an interesting story, you know, coming out of nowhere, out of Huntsville in the same market as uh, 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 um, Mo Brooks. I think, they, I think that's intriguing. And so is it enough? Uh, um, can you build the base uh, um, from across the entire state from a relatively uh, uh, unknown? I mean, it takes millions of dollars, and in theory, uh, I think he has it. He so, has it. So so, that, you know, he's it's not theory it. anymore. So, uh, And
1: uh, I've had political consultants say that the, the real issue is that Mo Brooks, as you pointed out, Mo Brooks and Mike Durant, both from North Alabama, Yeah. And, and they can split that support, and Katie Britt may take the rest of the state, and that could be the real issue there. And and my thought, and I'm not a political consultant. I don't play one on TV, and I
0: didn't stay at Holiday Inn Express last night. So, you know, just my opinion. Yeah. I think it's going to go that that Mike Grant's going to get the bulk of the military vote is where his power base is. He's going to get that military vote. I think as you look at the polls, and again, the polls are what the polls are. Um, I, You know, but the number that I see that's really bigger than all the numbers is the undecideds. Right. And so I think a whole bunch of people left Mo, but they didn't leave Mo to go. They they definitely didn't leave Mo to go to Katie. Right. Okay, if they did leave Mo, they went to Mike. And so now there's all these undecideds and it was like, those undecideds were building before Trump even pulled his endorsement and may have actually been the impetus of why Trump pulled his endorsement is they're just like, okay, can he win? I like Mo, whatever. And so you really saw him drop to 16, but you didn't see when he dropped from 40 to 16, where all the other 24 points went. 'Cause it, it, it just went into the undecided, undecided Right. Yeah. And so they went into the undecided. So the question is will will he be able to get his people back? Um, or will those people end up voting for Mike Durant? I just I know Mo Brooks people and, and there that is probably the biggest divide is between Mo Brooks and Katie Britt. Like that Mike Durant's kind of the middle ground that I think that either person could settle kind of for. And then
2: the other thing is how much uh, is the knives going to to, yes. to hurt that and help? One or the other, you know. I think you can look and see potential. If two of them square off, then the third one could could squeeze through. Yeah. And so, and, and so the if if that happens, then that third person gets in the runoff. And then it's anybody's game again. And so I think there there it'll be some interesting strategy to see you know as it gets closer they'll start doing some more weekly polling um and then they'll we'll see who releases their internal polling because that'll show momentum so, so it'll
0: it'll start uh, yeah. really uh showing up for us and this is one thing that that Ray and I agree on it's funny we disagree and i think that's healthy like we have different thoughts and different views on things and it's good um we don't want just to have an echo chamber one thing he and i definitely agree on when it comes to this is it's funny that they're about to put like a hundred million dollars into the state or whatever. I mean, I might be a little bit hyperbolic there, but they're going to dump a ton of money into the state and they're all going to be telling everybody that the other person's Satan incarnate, you know what I mean? And they're all going to be John the Baptist offspring. Right. And they're just going to trash each other. And really like when they get to DC, that there's not going to be a huge difference between any of the three of them. I really don't think, yeah, Mo might be a little more fiscally conservative. Katie might, you know, do a little bit more appropriations for money to come to Alabama. But at the end of the day, I do On the big I issues, I yeah, think they're the big all issues gonna vote. Are yeah. about the same yeah. and, I, and I and I think, and again, um I, I I think they're all three way more conservative than Richard Shelby. All three of them. Richard Shelby is not a conservative. He is a an old blue dog democrat that went Republican and he does things, you know, Southern blue dog democrat style politic. And 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 I don't Katie, while well, yeah, she was his chief of staff and she knows how to get things done. I just think in her heart of hearts, she really is more conservative from her upbringing enterprise and all of those things. Um, so I don't know. And, and then I think Mike Durant's probably more conservative than Richard Shelby and Mo Brooks obviously is more conservative than Richard Shelby. So I think it's going to be a net positive no matter what. And I just, I don't, I, I think it's crazy that they're going to spend the amount of money that they are just trashing the heck out of each other. And really, I think it's almost an inconsequential race. And I know you're probably looking at me like I'm crazy. I think the governor's race is much more consequential for the people of Alabama than what Senator goes up and, you know,
1: did you know see? I, I, I would we'll get, get to the governor's race because we're running out of time, but I do think it's interesting when Doug Jones was elected and was in Washington, his nickname was Mr. 100 because all the senators in the Senate knew that not only was he the last one there, but he would also not be they they knew in their heart he would not be reelected. It was really yeah. kind of an irrelevant Position that yeah, he, he yeah. held. Not no disrespect to Doug. He won. It's an honor to be a U.S. senator, and that for the rest of his life he should be there. But uh, it is when you first go in, you are so far down that seniority list, and seniority in the Senate is everything. And the House isn't quite that way, but the Senate it really is. So,
2: yeah, I, I I agree. I think you know Fox News would like us to be fully engaged in Washington, but but what matters is it happens at home, okay. and, and so we have to. Uh, um, really focus on what's going to make a difference in our lives, you know, and what's going to make a difference in our community is what happens in Montgomery. Uh, And so the governor's race is very interesting. You know, you have uh, um, Kay Ivey who came into office uh, um, in a a storm. Is it a nice way to put it? Uh, And she got elected uh, our first uh, uh, full term. So she's been in office a long time and to, and to be in steering the ship, Uh, Um, when the economy is going so well and have so many people running against her, you know, it makes you ask, it it should make you ask what is actually going on uh, on down in Montgomery.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting. And you just look at Alabama politics, you know, and I think, uh, Bob Riley was like the last person to do eight years without like having sex with their assistant or,
1: you know, whatever (laughs) they were doing or going to prison, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a good look. right? Wanda's desk forever be remembered for bringing you down, you know, a president? I mean, it's just, I mean, a governor is crazy. Oh, man.
0: And so it's interesting that it's like, geez. And so um, that is an interesting statistic. But um, do you think, um, do you think that there, do you think Kay Ivey can lose or do you think it's just, it's over? It's really hard for her to lose. I think, uh, uh, um, you know,
2: the, the, Tendency for the 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 electorate is to focus on Washington and not to focus. And and so if if things are going okay and, and they are going well, you know, in our state, we you know we have unemployment. But but when we look at the issues that that tend to matter to conservatives, like uh like gambling um or school choice, you know, limiting the size of government, you know, did did they refund, you know, send the, the taxes, the all this surplus that came to to our state? Did they bring it back to us? Did 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 one politician come out and say, hey, I'm sorry we stole your money. Yeah. Uh, here it is. So We're going to give it back to love it. you. So <laughs> yeah. so they're not going to they, – they didn't do that. And so you have to have that someone that is going to be at that bully pulpit and saying these things to, to make the legislature – because the power really lies in the legislature. The only thing that the governor has is the bully pulpit. And and, yep. and we have to have a governor that will direct the legislature. Um, And she did direct them. We know she can because she helped pass the, the gasoline tax. And, yeah. and so – we, we, we have to have someone that, that really puts in the issues um, that, that matter to us. And so I don't know. And so back to the, the the campaign itself, who I don't know if someone can really get out there and say those things in a way that's meaningful for someone to care to vote for something different than what's already going on.
0: Yeah. So an interesting thing, um, brilliant on Linda Blanchard's part. I don't know if you guys saw this. You know when you're going to fill up at the pump at a Shell station and they have those TVs and then ads run. Gas station TV, sure. She's got an ad on the gas, like on the thing that says, "I'll get rid of the gas tax." And so, like you're going to fill up and you see Linda Blanchard (laughs) on that thing. That's pretty cool.
1: I was like, man, that's brilliant. And it is interesting. And I I wrote this column, but in Mississippi, where Governor Tate Reeves, uh, they came to him with a reduction of personal income tax, and he said, "I'll sign it." But I've argued we want to do away with it. And so the governor, as you said, is using that pulpit to tell the legislature, you should have done more. We could do more for the people than what we're doing. Yeah. We don't hear that uh, enough or maybe at all from our governor right now. And that, that's that's disconcerting. It, and what we do hear that wasn't enough, right? And so um, yeah. we always joke that, you know, and it's
0: not even really a joke. It just is. And Ray's actually the one that's hammered this early on is, you know, Kay Ivey has handlers and she's not really allowed to answer questions and they have everything kind of rewritten and, and you know, again, whatever. But, you know, oddly enough, um, they she was able to answer a question for one of our reporters and Brandon Mosley, who's an extremely fair reporter, just asked her the question, what is your biggest regret of the legislative session? And she says, my biggest regret of the legislative session is that we didn't get gambling passed. Yeah, I, I it, uh, was a little mind boggling for me, you know, as someone
2: who's worked in Montgomery for, for school choice and, and, and education reform hmm. and, and how it has uh, ultimately failed. And our biggest champion is leaving. Dale Marsh is retiring. The, the whole idea that our governor says uh, um, it, the biggest problem was, was that we didn't pass gambling. Yeah, uh, I, it, it made me very sad to hear that. And so on a, on a political standpoint, can our our the other candidates capitalize on that? Is Lou? Is is Tim James? Is Linda Blanchard? Are they going to capitalize on that? Are they, do they have the resources? Do they have the networks out there in the state to to make that an issue? And so we'll have to wait and see. I think it's uh it's exciting. It's the final month, and and you know they always say Alabama's the wild wild west because you have unlimited donations, and so. Mm-hmm. um we'll we'll see you know okay and what we'll, she'll have to combat that they'll have to circle the wagons and, and get out after it
0: i'm just telling you again not a campaign manager either right so there's a lot of things i'm not but if i was yeah. i would be raising a ton of money with that story going around and yeah. saying like do, that, you,
1: do you see this that headline would be on every flyer right. every yeah. billboard. you know that would Everything. be my thing yeah
0: as you think about it it's like you said like as a governor my biggest disappointment should it like insert 152 things yeah. here right yeah. and it's like I'm most disappointed that we didn't get any movement for school choice. We didn't do anything to make education better. We didn't do anything to, you know, keep these poverty stricken children in these failing schools from being hostage. Well, we didn't do that. We didn't reduce taxes. We didn't get rid of the grocery tax. We didn't re- reduce personal income tax. We took too much money from the people. Um, I mean, just insert any of these things that right. like she should is a, is a, and a, it would a, have been a
1: non-story
0: and, almost. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay. That's a great, yeah, right. that but instead sense. she says gambling. And then, and just want for one more, one more time for the people in the back gambling. And so what gambling in the state of Alabama is, as far as what was being pushed in this legislative session and last was handing exclusive licenses to five entities, four of those yeah. entities of which have been operating these casinos, uh, full blown casinos illegally in the state of Alabama. And so we will be rewarding criminals with an exclusive license that will have their names written to the Al- state Alabama state constitution, um, saying that they have the right to operate these full blown gambling casinos in perpetuity. um, exclusively that is crazy and that's what she's saying that she's and almost handing them
1: a certificate of need board yeah where
0: they exactly can shut what everybody I was thinking, exactly. it's a certificate
2: of need uh, for, uh, for gambling, for, for gambling. Yeah. and so it's devastating to communities what gambling does um and and many candidates uh, should be able to show that um but do, you know will they do it will, will they they capitalize
0: on it we'll have to uh, wait and see what, what happens next yeah well speaking of those other people um who do you think has the best chance of beating her well, I you know
2: I, I like a lot of the candidates. I think Tim James ultimately with his uh, uh, name ID, uh, um, but will he get his message across? Will he be able to 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 get uh, to to that point? To will all of those candidates bring her down to a threshold to to get to a runoff? Because no one's going to to fifty one er Yeah, no one's
0: going to one. No one's gonna yeah.
2: yeah. And so if she gets that, she, you know, it's over. Of course. Yeah. But you know, will she get in a runoff? I think he has the best chance. Linda Blanchard, you know, she has an opportunity there. Uh, um, I, 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 although I'd like to see, you know, Lou do better, but I, I don't know if it's hard to go from zero to a uh, um, hundred, you know. And so he's really working hard. He's doing the retail politician thing, and, and that's pretty exciting. Uh, but but I think you know, as far as it's always about name ID, and Tim has the name ID, so I, most likely he's going to get
0: uh, in a runoff if it gets to that point. And my prediction is that it is going to get it on a runoff. And if and no matter who it is that gets in the runoff, though I believe it's gonna be Tim, no matter who gets in the runoff, everyone else is gonna coalesce behind that person. Right. And so what you're really looking at is the fact it's not about who should be governor, it's who shouldn't be governor. And that's kinda of how this race is turning out to be. And, and 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 so do do we fire or do we not? That seems to kind yeah. of be the question.
1: Um, and I will say my pet peeve too is is among Republicans. Uh, that they want to eat their own that oh well that person's not right enough for me or that person's too too you know they're not centrist enough and so it's like all or nothing instead of sometimes understanding okay, we, we might disagree a little bit on on how we want this done, but at least we're conservative and this is what we're pushing for. Yeah. And I don't want to see people say, well, my guy didn't win and I'm just not going to vote. Yeah. That's yeah. the worst thing that can happen.
0: That's Grandpa Ray
1: yeah. Yeah. telling us. <laughs> it is. You're right. I like to see the knives come
0: out. I like to see, see the <laughs> it, differences. And, and it depends on the knives, right? And, yeah. so, and, and to go back to my prediction for Senate, so my prediction for Governor... I believe we get into a runoff. I really do. I think the polls are not able to track voter enthusiasm at the rate that we have enthusiasm. I think the way they do enthusiasm is like they rank it off of are you a four, which means that, you know, for the last primaries, you voted in all four of them. Are you a three, three of the last four, two, two of the last four, one, one of the last four. That's one of the metrics they use to get voter enthusiasm. I think we're going to get a bunch of zeros. And what I mean by that is people who've never voted in a primary before I think are going to show up in droves because of how terrible the political climate is right now and they're all wanting to do something and there's you know people what what do we do to fix it I didn't know there was elections in May what do you you know yeah. those people are going to be showing up um, and they're not going to be showing up to support what what's existing yeah. right they would be showing up for not the status quo they're going to show up um, to to make a, t- a change or a difference, if that makes sense. So I do think we get into a runoff. If we do get into a runoff, I think it's going to be close, and I do think Tim James, um, or you know anyone who gets another runoff is going to have a strong chance. Right. Um, Senate. Um, you talk about knives. This is my prediction: of what's going to happen in the Senate? I think uh, Katie Britt and Mike Durant are going to get into a runoff, and Mike Durant's going to get Roy Moore. That's what I think is going to happen. I think they've got some. Thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's going to be. Might not even be real. The whole Christine Blasey Ford thing. You could just have someone. I, I don't know. Right. Like, um, but I, I think, and again, this isn't any a slight on Katie, but Katie's in it to win it, man. And she's, you know, Shelby camp is helping her. And those people are freaking ruthless. Yeah. I, I, it's a
2: ruthless game. And, and, yeah. and so I think you'll see the knives come out. My only thing is, like, if the knives come out too early, yeah, um, then Mo could get in that runoff, yeah, you know. But if if it depends on how they start jockeying with each other, but yeah, I think you know the money is there so that that they can they can say if they can save it till the runoff, they will,
0: yeah. and and they they will go for the kill at that point. <clears throat> I can see it now. the The report, the whatever, gets published in Alabama Political Reporter. Washington post comes in and swoops it up. And then all of a sudden it's on Fox news and then it's on everything else. And Mike Durant's got to go on Hannity, you know, yeah, right. I can see it now. And, and so maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I, cause, cause that's not, like I said, I want to see tight races, but I don't want to see that. Right. I, right. I want to see, you know, on the merits of people, um, uh, you know, I, that's the, the tight race I want to see. But I just, I think there's, there's too much on the line. There's too much money being spent. I, I think, I think Mike Durant really wants to win. I think he's working his butt off. I think Katie's working harder than anybody by far, like you said, retail politics. And I think I think she wants to win it more than anybody, and the people that are supporting her, like I said. Um, that's a good hour's worth of conversation. We could probably <laughs> go for another hour. Yeah. Chad,
1: I appreciate your insight because I do think uh, you've been there uh, both from the medical perspective but the political perspective as well because you've been involved for so long at so many different levels, and I think that's uh, – that's what we need, are citizens that are willing to get involved and stick their neck out and and fight for what they believe. Yeah,
0: so who do you have for Senate, though? We didn't cover that. oh, oh right yeah, uh, Now, who are you voting for? Who do you think is going to win?
1: Um, I,
2: I think Mike Durant has the has – the he's by far got the most ability because of his outsider status to really make it happen. I think all those things that you laid out could, could sabotage him. Mm-hmm. But if he, he continues to, to do the right things, he's probably got
0: the inside lane on, yeah. on making it happen. And every attack they've leveled at him, every, you know, yeah. the stuff about his sister or whatever and his dad, <clears throat> everything that they've thrown at him, um, even the the CJ Pearson, he's got this, you know, dark money pack that's supporting him, it's you know, a bunch of squishes and, and again, and if that's the case, we're gonna feel really stupid if we elect him. He turns out to be Mitt Romney. Right. We're gonna all yeah. feel really stupid, right? Yeah. If, if that happens. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think um I don't know where I was going with that. Well, it, the, that the thing
2: is, if that does happen, is like yeah. we get to have this conversation again in six years because yeah. <laughs> there, it's going to be a challenger. But six gonna years out. is a long time. <clears throat> it is a long time, and and someone uh, um, that's going to be doing retail politics is going to be out there for two years ahead of time
0: and and, yeah. and singing singing
2: the song that he is not
0: the conservative. Mitt yeah, yeah, Mitt Romney doesn't yeah. last you know more than six years in Alabama. I don't. I I don't think maybe I don't know. Yeah,
1: but um, but um, yeah. So I think that'll. You got anything but else, Mitt, Ray? I don't know if Mitt has a house here. He yeah. picks and chooses where he yeah. buys his property so he can run. <laughs> Massachusetts, Massachusetts Utah. Utah, Michigan, where he grew up. I mean, who knows? Yeah. So. Oh, my point where I was going with that is all the all
0: the all the attacks they've leveled on Mike Durant so far have just kind of bounced off of him and almost actually drove him up in the polls somehow. Right. right? Well,
2: it's all about name ID, and I think you know uh, there's no such thing as as bad press. Uh, yeah. uh, there's only press, and so if you can handle those negative attacks and, and deflect, your name ID grows. And so more people will actually go and look for you and, and make those decisions about them for themselves. And yeah, so no, they that, that's watch
0: a, black Hawk down again. And they're just right. like, Psh.
2: I'm in <laughs>
0: <laughs> and not everyone, not everyone running for Senate has had a movie made about their life. Yeah, uh, so That's true. Well, good stuff. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, had a blast. Always love, uh, especially things really heat up right about the time that we know that we have to end it. So, um well thank you guys so much for joining us again uh go to 1819news.com sign up for the newsletter apple podcast youtube and spotify sign up subscribe thumbs up reviews all that stuff let everyone know how much uh how much they love the podcast Right. Yeah. so that's it um we appreciate it thanks so much for uh taking the time with us and until next time put your trust in god and keep your powder dry amen